Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. What's up? This your boy, Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Everybody's talking about superfoods, nutritionally dense foods, super beneficial to your health. Did you know that beets are one of the most powerful superfoods loaded with an important nutrient to increase your blood flow and hence your energy? But who wants to eat a pound of beets every day? Now you can get the super benefits of beets in a powerful concentrated superfood drink. Super beets, made from beets grown to exacting standards and concentrated into superfood crystals. Superbeats promotes the body's natural ability for healthy circulation and increased energy. You want the benefits of a powerful superfood? Call 800-516-0683 or go to nancysbeats.com. With the first order, get an extra 30 days of Superbeats free, plus indicator strips to see how Superbeats works for you. And free shipping. 800-516-0683 or go to nancysbeats.com today. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, now online at CrimeOnline.com and on SiriusXM 132. The fire rescue came to revive the baby and zip down the baby's um, nighty. The baby was burned from the neck all the way to his knees. A one-year-old tot, a tot boy, dead 
from, quote, severe bath burns. What happened? Joining me right now, Dr. Chloe Carmichael, AnxietyTools.com founder, John Limley, Crime Stories investigative reporter, Ashley Wilcott, child advocate and lawyer and death scene investigator, Private Eye Vincent Hill. To John Limley, Crime Stories investigative reporter, this mom seemingly had it all together. She worked at a local Cracker Barrel. I mean, who doesn't love Cracker Barrel and Cheesecake Factory? Who doesn't love Cheesecake Factory? We've checked out her Facebook profile. She seemed to be on top of it, raising her children and working. But what exactly happened? This taught dies with severe burns. What do we know? Nancy, Christina Hurt told investigators that Ethan was scalded while she was taking out the trash at her house in Homestead. This is on the southern outskirts of Miami. Christina says that while her 10-year-old daughter was attempting to bathe the victim, the child, Christina's four-year-old son made the bathwater extremely hot, and this caused the little boy to sustain severe burns all the way from his mid-torso down to his toes. Uh, Christina stated that when she observed the victim's injuries, she dropped because the victim's skin was burned and peeling. But instead of calling for help, Christina gave the baby Tylenol and juice, and he threw up repeatedly throughout the night. Christina allegedly told police that she didn't call 911 because she feared losing custody of her children. I want to go back to the scene to Ashley Wilcott joining me, child advocate. Ashley, talk to me about the temperature required for this type of burn and how the mom couldn't hear the child. I mean, if you, typically if you put one toe in a hot tub and it's too hot you scream and get out of the tub exactly something's hinky and does not add up because the temperature of the water would have to be extreme and it would have to warm up right it's not like you turn on water and it's this hot and the severity of burns in order to cause burning and peeling as the mother described requires that not only is the water Uh, hotter than you can possibly imagine, as hot as it can get. It has to be on the skin, constant contact, torso to toes, to cause that severe burning and peeling. Okay, wait, 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 wait. That's a lot of information. Okay, the second worst cause of injuries that are bathtub and shower related are unsafe water temperatures. It's what is referred to as a phenomenon of shock and scald. Shock called by, caused by cold water, scald by hot. Now, typically, because of the immediate pain and discomfort, the person instinctively moves quickly away. Scalding is caused by dangerously hot water and can cause burns. Now, what we have learned is that no water in the bath should ever exceed 110 degrees. Most water heating systems in the U.S. stores water at between 120 and 160 degrees. At just 110 degrees, it takes 25 minutes before water can cause a skin injury. If you raise that to 120, 
the burn time is about 19 seconds. If you raise it to 140, 12 seconds. At 150, you start burning in less than one second. So what does that say about the conditions here? To Ashley Wilcott, if we were handling this case, what would we have to prove? This child dies of severe burns. The child's skin literally coming off its body. Now, explain to me what you believe, Ashley, we would have to prove. I've laid out for you the water temperatures, how water is typically stored in America's bathwater storage tanks. How did this happen? We would have to prove that the story the mother is currently saying cannot possibly be accurate. The temperature of the water means that it just didn't come out of the pipe and burn the child to this extent. The other thing that I would prove is the pattern. They say that the burn is literally from the torso to the toes. You already pointed out, Nancy, anybody who gets hot water that hurts is going to is going to flail, right? A one-year-old is not going to just sit there. This child was immersed. The water covered the torso to the toes. This is not a 10-year-old putting a child under the faucet and oops, there's a burn. There is so much to prove in this case that's not going to be difficult because what the mother says happened isn't possible to cause this severe burning. Explain to me why you think it's possible because I have an issue with the four-year-old running the bathwater and I believe that absolutely could happen that the four-year-old turns it on hot. But when the child gets in there, the child would start screaming and flailing and jumping. And I don't think a four-year-old could hold the baby in there. I don't either. Now, they say there was also a 10-year-old involved. But even a 10-year-old and a four-year-old are not, in my opinion, going to hold a child like that. I don't think it happened this way at all. I don't think what the mother's saying is realistic, reasonable to, to think really happened. This one-year-old would have burns all over the body from flailing around. A 10-year-old and 4-year-old are not going to hold the baby submersed under the water from torso to toes when they're reacting that way. They're going to pull them out of the tub. Well, let me tell you what happened to me on a Delta flight. And no, I did not sue. And no, I'm not going to sue. I was going to New York because I had to go appear on something. And I had asked for hot tea. All right. The lady, she was a young flight attendant brought me hot water and she was going to pour it in my cup that right there was was stupid I shouldn't have even allowed that to happen she handed me a cup but she was going to fill the cup up with water pouring it over the man sitting I was by the window okay so I was seated in in economy and I could barely move I had the table down with the laptop on it working of course and was holding my cup there was nowhere for me to go okay the cup gave way and it poured down my shirt. I had on a, a thin denim shirt that I, that one I wear all the time, Ashley. And <laughs> it poured all the way down my chest and stomach, mostly my stomach. I sat there. I didn't yell or anything like that. And tears just sprang up in my eyes. And about, she never said, are you okay? Nothing. She just kept going. And she came back like 20 minutes later with a bag of ice, which I put on my stomach. It immediately bubbled up, and I have scars on my stomach now from that hot water. 
But in all the years of flying Delta, I've never had anything like that happen before. And I could tell she was mortified. And it was really an accident. It really was. So if that happened to me with just a cup full of hot water for tea, what do you think happened to this little boy? John Limley, Crime Stories investigator reporter. The mom says she was taking out the trash. Is that her story? That is exactly what she said she was doing. Uh, This was at her home, uh, apparently later in the day. And then Thursday morning, after dropping her other children off at school, Christina said that she took her injured son. His name, by the way, is Ethan. Family, friends have identified the child. They, she took Ethan to a friend's home in Goulds, Florida, which is about 10 miles away from her house. Witnesses told the cops that when Christina arrived at the home in Goulds, the baby was lethargic and had shallow breathing. They urged Christina to get medical help for the child, but she, quote, adamantly refused. Around 11 that morning, the baby stopped breathing, and Christina took him outside and placed him on a mattress in the yard. Hold on. I've I've got an issue. I don't understand quite exactly how this is going down. John Lindley, yes. Now, didn't she say she was taking out the trash? Yes. Okay. So why are you saying when she returned to the home? Are you, you just mean from taking the trash out, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. So Ashley Wilcott and Dr. Chloe Carmichael joining me, along with Vincent Hill, that doesn't make sense to me. To Dr. Chloe, um, what do you think about the mom basically blaming the other children? Well, exactly, Nancy. I think it's it's really disgusting. Um, you know, not only is she failing to take responsibility, even if this ridiculous story is true, uh, really, it ultimately would be something that the mom would want to talk about as her own failure, that, that she somehow didn't supervise the bath well enough, but she's really talking about the other children's role in this. And moreover, there's something in psychology that we call impression management, which seems to be pretty active here, where she's saying, well, I didn't call the authorities because I didn't want to lose custody, um, you know, as if she's just such a good mom that she just didn't want to lose custody. And it, I don't know if she actually even believes that herself. But of course, if you realize that your baby has a bad enough burn that losing custody would even be an option, why on earth wouldn't you get that child medical care? It just it doesn't make any sense. And it seems extremely uh, selfish of her the way that she's going about this. Take a listen to what neighbors say happened when the baby was discovered burned. My brother ran over to try to help with the situation and found the baby, the one who was laying on a dirty mattress. And at the time, the baby, he was trying to do CPR, but the baby uh, threw up, looked like apple juice. And when paramedics tried to, I guess, do an EKG or whatever they were doing, and when they zipped down the baby onesie, the baby was burned from neck to his his um, knees. To Ashley Wilcott, veteran lawyer and renowned child advocate, Ashley I know that I was probably too overprotective, as many people have pointed out to me, but we are talking about a young Miami mom whose one-year-old son dead from, quote, severe bath burns, and then mommy refuses to call 911 because she was afraid authorities would take her children away from her. 
That delay in calling 911 may have cost her son his life. Mom doesn't call 911 for fear of losing her children. Not only is it a criminal charge, this is a juvenile court dependency neglect abuse case. Not only is it a crime, but you should not have your child when you are not going to give them a bath, supervise, and allow these things to happen. I still don't believe mother's story. I think she did it. To John Limley, investigative reporter, John, how many hours passed before she finally called 911? Well, it was well into the next day. Uh, after the child was burned in the, uh, we assume the early evening hours the night before, it was around 11 a.m. that the baby stopped breathing. She took the child outside, put him on a mattress on the yard, um, and a neighbor uh, came over, tried to perform CPR while his sister then called 911. So she never did call 911. The sister called 911. Is that correct? Right. A, a neighbor, yes. Now, what we understand is the four-year-old son made the bathwater, and the 10-year-old daughter was in there trying to bathe the little boy. And then the mom says when she observed her son's injuries, she dropped because... His skin was burned and already peeling. Instead of calling for help, Ashley Wilcott, she gave the baby Tylenol and juice while he threw up repeatedly during the night. And that's medical neglect, Nancy. Just that tiny little piece is medical neglect. Even if it was a true innocent accident, that's medical neglect resulting in the death, i.e. manslaughter of your own child. She then takes the children to other children to school the following morning and goes to a friend's home. The friends say the baby was lethargic and had shallow breathing. They begged her to get medical help, but she adamantly refused. According to the report, around 11 a.m., the baby stops breathing. Uh, neighbors tried to give the baby CPR, and when the paramedics came, they pulled down his little zipper on his jumper and say, oh, my God. The child unresponsive and pronounced dead at the scene. John Lindley has been doing some digging on the mom. John, what have you found? Nancy, court records show that Christina has five other children and that she previously served two years on probation for a 2014 child neglect charge. So she's already been on probation, yet she gets all the children back. Ashley, that is so wrong. It is. And yeah, she was on probation, but you cannot stop monitoring and requiring to do things to prove she can properly care for and supervise her children, which clearly she cannot. If a child is burned, FYI, apply immediate first aid. Dial 911 or in some places triple zero for an ambulance if it's severe. Do not use butter, oils, or ice to treat burns. Alan Duke joining me. What do you know about how to avoid this very same thing in your home? Nancy, as the grandfather of two toddlers, it's something I think about. I checked the Mayo Clinic website, always a good place for advice. Reduce water temperature at the hot water heater on the thermostat 
to below 120 degrees Fahrenheit. No real good reason to have it hotter than that. And at bath time, aim for water around 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Put your hand in there, and if it's not hot for you, then it should be safe for your child. But do that before you put them in the bath. Avoid hot spills. When you carry a drink or or hot food, don't carry the child at the same time. You can spill it on them. And watch out if you've got it on the edge of the table or the counter and there's a tablecloth or a placemat there, they can easily just reach up with their little hands and pull it down on them and burn them. Here's one I'm really obsessed with. Turn the handles of pots and pans toward the rear of the stove. Use back burners when possible so that they don't reach up and pull the pot of hot boiling water right down on them. And, of course, don't leave the stove unattended. And another one, when you're cooking with a microwave, when you're heating up food, it can be uneven. So it may be hotter than you realize when you're giving it to the child. So be careful about that. And, of course, never warm a baby's bottle in a microwave. I also hear children reaching for curling irons or hot devices, uh, clothes irons. I did that as a little girl. Check your outlets and electrical cords and use fire-resistant fabrics. I want to pause and thank our partner making our investigation into the death of this child possible. It's LegalZoom. New Year's is over, and now it's time to write your own success story for 2018, and LegalZoom can help you with that. Let this be the year you finally launch and run your own business. Or rest easier knowing your family's future is secure by you making the right estate plan. As a matter of fact, LegalZoom has been helping people just like us take care of dreams and responsibilities over 16 years. The good news is LegalZoom is not a law firm, but they have the resources to put you on the right path including advice from a nationwide network of independent lawyers at your fingertips. Whether you want to take your business to the next level or take control of your family's future with an estate plan, LegalZoom plugs right into your life without billable hours like a law firm. Because at LegalZoom, pricing is up front. What a relief. Start writing your 2018 success story at LegalZoom.com now. For special savings, enter promo code NANCY, N-A-N-C-Y, at the referral box at checkout. LegalZoom, where life meets legal. That's LegalZoom.com. LegalZoom, thank you. A beautiful blonde from Daytona Beach, Florida, now being eyeballed by police. And not only the death, but the dismemberment of her boyfriend. What? (laughs) John Limley, investigative reporter, joining me right now. What happened, John? Nancy, it had been some time since family and friends had seen Jeffrey Albertsman in Daytona Beach. And finally, uh, Daytona police were called to his residence for a wellness check. And that's when they found Jeffrey's body or what remained of it. According to an affidavit, he had been shot in the head and the chest and his arms and legs were missing. Holy moly. All right. Dr. Chloe Carmichael, founder of AnxietyTools.com, New York psychologist. Dr. Chloe, boy, do I need a shrink. Now, this requires not only shooting someone, but then dismembering them. You know how difficult it is, Dr. Chloe, to actually 
physically dismember a body. It's not like on TV, like on Monk, where you just find a, a toe here, a finger there in the park in this bucolic setting. It's not like that. It's not even like um, Dexter where he lines everything in plastic and everything looks pretty pristine. It is a very difficult thing physically to dismember a a human body, but the mental capacity required to actually sever someone's limbs from their torso. Dr. Chloe, what kind of mind does that require? Well, Nancy, yes, it seems to be an absolutely deranged mind. Uh, and moreover, the fact that this is coming from a female makes it even more even more unusual. Obviously, it's unusual in the first place to murder, much less to dismember. But then for a female to be doing that, um, I've, I've never heard of anything like this, frankly. Um, I want to go back to John Limley, Crime Stories investigative reporter. John Limley, what can you tell me? about why police went. Well, it had been so long since uh, family and friends had had any contact with Jeffrey Albertsman uh, that finally one of them decided it was worth a call just to have police go and see if he was there, if there was any any sign of uh, any crime. And this is when they found his body. You know, to Ashley Wilcott joining me uh lawyer and victim's advocate. Ashley, that took a lot because, you know, for relatives to actually want police to go there because there time passes very often when I don't see a certain person for a period of days. I don't think anything of it. But in this case, they had an inkling that something was very wrong to the extent they call police. This is an example of trust your gut. And reports indicate that this woman had been in a 10-year relationship with this man. And for her to escalate to the point of actually dismembering her boyfriend, I think there were probably a lot of red flags that she was abusive to this man. You know, and very often we don't see uh, partner abuse like spousal abuse happening, committed by the woman on the man. But I recall distinctly when I worked at the Battered Women's Center, It does exist. Very often, it's poo-pooed. A Florida woman out of Daytona Beach now being eyed in the fatal shooting and dismemberment of her boyfriend. Now, of course, she's the first one you look at. Vincent Hill, private eye and death scene investigator. No offense to all the husbands, wives, boyfriends, and girlfriends out there, but statistically, that's usually who commits a murder. Yeah, Nancy, you always want to look at the person that's closest to the victim, right? Because they were typically the one that had the intimate relationship. And anytime you're talking dismemberment, that's a very personal, up-close type of thing. And it's you alluded to it earlier. It's not easy, but it's also not quiet. So, you know, that was probably something that uh, was, was very brutal going on in that home that no one really knew about. Back to John Limley joining us, Crime Stories investigative reporter. This woman, Nelsie Tetley, um, she lived in the same home with the victim. Police called to their residence for a wellness check or a security check. What that is is when you suspect there's a problem, you call police and they go do a security check, knock on the doors, look in the windows. They find Albertsman's body shot in the head and the chest 
his arms and legs missing. Now, that's certainly putting perfume on the pig, John Lindley, to say they're missing. It's like, oh, I can't find my car keys. They're missing. His arms and legs were missing. John, were the limbs ever located? Yes, Nancy, but not until two more months, two months later, uh, the decomposing limbs were found at a fernery. This is a, a plant nursery that grows ferns in western Volusia County. Whoa. Okay, so they find the limbs badly decomposing by that time at kind of a nursery, and they got DNA results from the crime scene. To Vincent Hill, death scene investigator, I mean, just, you know, map it out in your head. This would require someone that could shoot the person dead and then not be concerned about being caught they stay in the home long enough to dismember the legs and arms off the torso. That sounds like somebody that lives there. An intruder, if they're going to kill you, kill you and leave. They don't want to get caught. They're worried somebody might come in the front door. Yeah, Nancy, it's definitely not someone that broke in for a home invasion or a burglar or anything like that. It's someone that's comfortable in the home, someone that wouldn't look at a, out of place being in the home, someone that could take their time, move parts of the body, much later drive it 20 miles, like nothing ever happened. Let me ask you about this. What do we know about the state of their relationship, John? According to the arrest affidavit, Nancy, Nelson and Jeffrey, as we have mentioned, had been romantically involved for about nine years, but court records reveal that it was a rocky relationship. Nelsie was arrested in October of 2016 after she struck Jeffrey, and she actually told him, quote, I could kill you tonight if I wanted. She was sentenced to 11 months probation, which she completed in May of 2017. Court records also show incidents where Nelsie allegedly pepper sprayed Jeffrey and even stabbed him. To Dr. Chloe Carmichael, founder of AnxietyTools.com, New York psychologist, Dr. Chloe, why would he stay in the relationship when she had threatened him, had beaten him in the past, had uh, actually stabbed him. It was a minor wound on one occasion. He even took out a restraining order against her, but yet stayed together. Well, Nancy, that's the age-old question is, you know, why do victims stay with abusers? And, you know, there's a lot of theories about that. Um, one of the interesting ways to think about it sometimes is actually an economic theory, which is the, the theory of sunk costs. So once you've invested so much time and energy and tolerated so much abuse from a person, there's actually a part of you that starts to think that this person must be really special and amazing or else you wouldn't have invested so much in them. So ironically, the more abuse that you take from a person and the worse that abuse is, the more invested you can actually become in believing that this person must be really special and wonderful. Well, I guess the thinking is... Um Wow, I've already sunk in 10 years into this thing. If I could just get, enter the blank, him, her, to change, enter the blank, what the behavior is, then it would all be great. So you keep on making the same mistake over and over. So, okay, he stays in the home, and then what happens to John Limley? Well, uh, it's uh, just a matter of months. In fact, two months pass between when she completed that 11 months probation and 
she returned to the home two months later is when his body or his torso was found in the home. This is the real kicker. Isn't it true, John Lindley, that we have now discovered this woman, this lady, Nelsie Tetley, is also suspected, now she is, of being tied to a similar slaying of another boyfriend 10 years ago? Yes, Nancy. It was in Ormond Beach. It happened about a decade before. Uh, this is the, 20, uh, the 2007 case of Michael Scott Lewis. His body, his chopped up body, was found in garbage bags along the Tomoka River. The affidavit, interestingly, notes that Jeffrey Albertsman and Michael Scott Lewis, who were both dismembered, were both done in a very unusual way with the use of a knife, tying these two cases together. Interestingly, Nelsie denied remembering that Michael Scott Lewis, a man she had dated, had been murdered. Take a listen to what the Daytona Beach Police Chief, Craig Capri, has to say. We went out there and uh, were able to go inside the residence to do a well-being check where we found a, our victim, uh, Mr. Uh, Jeffrey Albertsman, who was uh, deceased. At the time, we found a, uh, a decomposed body, which was in there for probably about two weeks prior to us getting there. And uh, the body had a single gunshot wound to the head, and the body uh, was missing its arms and legs, which was kind of uh, suspicious. Uh, we knew that there was a, a former ex-girlfriend that uh, he had some problems with in the past. He had filed a injunction petition, which never got uh, completed for protection uh, due to some domestic incidents that he, uh, he had with the suspect. Uh, he was stabbed by her, and there was a lot of violent episodes. Uh, our suspect's name is uh, Nelsie Tetley. Uh, she's 67 years old, white female. She was the uh, girlfriend of the victim. We, as we got further in our investigation, conducting interviews and collecting some evidence as we processed the crime scene. We had to send some, some blood evidence off for DNA to see if we could you know, match stuff up. Uh, we got that back, and uh, it showed uh, our suspect's DNA was inside the residence, where it shouldn't have been. Also, on September 20th of uh, this year, we uh, responded out to a fernery out in West Volusia, where we found that some body parts were found, which were confirmed to be of our victim. We are waiting for justice to unfold. Hang on one moment. Ashley Wilcott, you are raising children and working full time. How tired are you? Are you exhausted, Ash? All the time. All the time. I am too. <laughs> and the earlier I get up, it seems like the more I have to do. And I'm wondering, where is all my energy? Well, part of it has to do with circulation. Your blood takes oxygen to all the parts of your body and increases your energy. I guess you don't spend much time thinking about your circulation, but good circulation is key to energy and stamina. Getting that oxygen and nutrients flowing through your body so you can exercise longer, do more every day. What can you do to promote that healthy circulation? Drink Super Beets. Super Beets promotes the body's own natural ability to produce healthy circulation for increased energy and stamina all day long. And that's what I need. Only Super Beets made from beets grown to exacting standards. Then concentrated down into superfood crystals, I just mix with water. If you want to improve your circulation and increase your energy, 
Call 800-516-0683 or just go to nancysbeats.com online. N-A-N-C-Y-S-B-E-E-T-S dot com. With the first order, get another 30-day supply of Super Beats free plus indicator strips to see how Super Beats working for you plus free shipping. If you're like me and you need energy, try Super Beats. Call 800-516-0683, 800-516-0683, or go to nancysbeats.com today. Super Beats, thank you. Try to clear this mystery up because it is pretty bizarre. What does a family road trip, Graceland, the home of the Elvis Presley Memorial, and a dead body have to do with each other? I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. Questions arise when a wife goes missing during a family road trip to Graceland. All is not as it appears. Joining me there on the scene, Pamela Furr, Crime Stories investigative reporter. Pamela, what happened? Well, that's a very good question. I'm not sure what inspired him to do that, but what inspired him to take the trip was the fact that his wife, Roberta, uh, was dying from cancer. So they decided to take one last trip, and they wanted that trip to be to Graceland, to Memphis, and before she died. And she was not doing very well. So this is the trip they decided to take on January the 4th, they traveled from Hartville, Ohio, got in their car, packed it up, and the, uh, they traveled to Sparta, Kentucky. That's kind of a halfway point, really, from Hartville to Memphis. They got a motel room. They spent the night. The next day, January the 5th, they continued their journey to Memphis. When they arrived, Philip, the husband, got a room at the Days Inn, which is directly across from Graceland. I guess that was going to make it convenient for them to go now, see wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Pamela Fur, let me understand something. Sure. Where did they start their trip? They started their trip in Hartville, Ohio. Okay, so does their route make sense? They go from Hartville to Kentucky, I yes. believe you said. Yes, yes. From Yes, it does. If you want to go uh, from that area to Memphis, you would travel through Kentucky to get to that final destination. And and again, a halfway point. Yeah, they spent the night there in Sparta. Let me ask another question. Pamela Fur joining me from Tennessee on a Tennessee story out of Graceland where the King Elvis uh, has his memorial. Pamela, does anybody else confirm the wife had cancer or are we learning this just from the husband? The brother actually confirmed that he, that she was diagnosed uh, with cancer. The brother of Roberta uh, to police that she had been sick. Okay, so being diagnosed with cancer, I mean, I had a melanoma on my leg. So I guess technically I could say I had cancer. I don't really think of it that way because thank God in heaven. Uh, it, it did not spread, and um, David did not get the joy of running out and marrying some tramp to raise my children. So I'm still here, okay? <laughs> but, I mean, how do we know he says his wife was dying of cancer? 
Well, that's a good I question. I know that you're saying the brother says she had cancer, but yeah, was she okay, dying? Okay, you know, just yeah, curious. That, yeah, I mean, Vincent Hill, don't poo-poo me. I mean, these are questions I need to know the answers <laughs> to. Go ahead, Pamela. Yeah, so we fast forward to January the ninth when you have a missing person, and the police in Hartville, Ohio, are investigating. Things get bizarre at this point. Philip Snyder. Oh, wait, who, who said she was missing? Who reported her missing? The brother. The brother said, we can't find her. I've been trying to reach her, and she is not answering our phone calls. Philip wasn't answering his phone calls, so he contacted the police, and at that point, the police opened a missing person investigation. Pamela Fur, uh, what happened then? Well, this is where things get bizarre. So Hart, Hartville, Ohio police contact Philip and ask him, Where's your wife? What happened? And he tells them that she passed away on the trip from Ohio to Memphis. When they got to the Memphis uh, days in across from Graceland, she, he says, passed away. So he flagged down an ambulance that he saw parked outside of the days in on the street. He tells police that he contacted that emergency person there in the ambulance and said, my wife has died. And at that point, the ambulance took the body and drove away. And he told police at that point he didn't know where his wife's body was. And so that's when he drove back to Ohio. Okay, and hold, on. At that. hold that, on. That was hold the on. first story. So we have the brother of Roberta Snyder calling the Hartville, Ohio Police Department, telling them that his wife was missing. Nobody has any idea where she is. Then the husband, Roberta's husband, explains that his wife died in Memphis. And he pulled over and asked an EMT for help. He claims that his wife was taken to an unknown location after paramedics confirmed she is in fact dead and that that is what he told them. What happened then? With me, Pamela Furr, there in Tennessee, Crime Stories investigative contributing reporter. I, I don't understand. Couldn't they locate her from the EMT ride? I mean, to Vincent Hill, death investigator. Vincent, when you take a ride in an ambulance, isn't that always documented? Absolutely, Nancy. It's documented. It's dispatched. The dispatcher records the pickup location, the drop-off location. So all of those records should have been known to the other EMTs that this man uh, approached and said, hey, I can't find my wife. She was taken away, but I don't know where she is. I recall distinctly the one and only time I recall being in an ambulance. I was pregnant in Florida. We thought that I was giving birth even more prematurely than I did. And I had a very long one-hour ambulance ride with an EMT named Elvis, who had one eye. That's what I remember. And, you know, he was awesome. And I remember it to this day. And I'm sure there's a record of it. So what I don't understand, Pamela Fur, you just heard our death scene investigator, Vincent Hill. All of that is documented. Nobody can find out where the body is? Correct. There's no record of it. Hartville, Ohio Police Department contacted the Benton County Sheriff's Department and other officials there, and there is no record of anybody being taken from the parking lot of the Days End in, uh, across the street from Graceland. There's no record of it. There's no police report. There's nothing, and it's been investigated. So Philip 
wasn't exactly telling the Hartville, Ohio Police Department the truth. Um, and things even get more bizarre after that. Uh, after they said, I'm sorry, sir, but we have no record of anything like that, he changes his story. And then at that point says, well, what happened was she died on the way to Memphis. I decided on the way back to Ohio that I would dump her body off the Tennessee, off the bridge into the Tennessee River so that she could be with nature. That's the way that she wanted to die. Wait, so wait, that's wait, what I did. wait, 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 be with nature. Yes. <laughs> with me, New York psychologist and founder of anxietytools.com, Dr. Chloe Carmichael. Dr. Chloe, be with nature. Yes, Nancy, I, I hear it's it's pretty implausible. Um, at the same time, I, I just have to understand that this is a husband who's who perhaps potentially may have lost his wife, uh, who certainly it sounds like appeared to realize that um, it's not okay to, you know, put a body in, into a river to be with nature, even if the person did have cancer. At the same time, um, you know, if it is true that his wife had cancer, it would be uh, an extreme trauma, a terrible loss. Sometimes uh, the spouses even actually come up with these plans together, you know, that, that one of them wants the other person to help them um, in an assisted suicide. So I think the only thing that we can really see clearly here, at least from a psychology standpoint, is that this man um, is, is either confused or in shock, or is deliberately uh, covering something up. Well, it just gets crazier and crazier. We are talking about a wife and her husband, a family road trip. They decide they want to go from their home all the way by car to Graceland and celebrate Elvis Presley. Well, somehow, en route, his wife or her body disappear. He claims she passed away by natural causes on the trip once they finally make it to Memphis and he flags down an ambulance an EMT he sees parked and they take her and he has no idea where she's been taken but then suddenly the story changes and he conducts his own funeral and throws her over an overpass to be in the Tennessee River to be back with nature okay Pamela for joining me there in Tennessee Pamela what happened then? Well, at that point, that's when uh, the Benton County Sheriff's Department has decided to get involved because if there's a dead body that's been thrown into the Tennessee River, uh, they have to investigate because you can't do that. Uh, so at this point, they are looking for this body. So far, they've found nothing. Uh, and so far, there's been no body in Memphis. So she's still missing. Uh, so the investigation continues. And I also want to add Roberta Snyder's brother, who reported her missing, uh, says that Philip, the husband, told family members that she died and he left her ashes in Tennessee. So there's actually three different stories at this point coming from Philip Snyder. After speaking with Philip Snyder and EMS companies, hospital and medical examiner offices in the Memphis area, police determined no women matching Roberta's description had been there. And I'm looking at a picture of her right now. She looks pretty good to me. She doesn't actually even look sick. Now, according to the brother, her brother, she was battling cancer. But battling cancer 
and dying from cancer are two very, very different things. Um, I'm looking, uh, Jackie, look at this picture of Roberta. She looks fine as a fiddle to me. She's doing a kind of an over-the-shoulder look, clutching her little pocketbook. Look at this. Look at her. Cute, right? All right. Uh, To Vincent Hill joining me. Private eye and death scene investigator Vincent Hill. The whole thing just stinks. So what do we do now? There's no body. There's certainly no ashes. I mean, when you make ashes and you cremate, there would be evidence of a cremation. I mean, that's very, very strictly regulated. Plus, don't most people keep some of the ashes? I mean, I've even got my cat's ashes. Yeah, absolutely, Nancy. I mean, you can't just go out into the backyard and burn a body and collect the ashes. You would have to go to someone that's trained and licensed to do that. Vincent Hill, I'd like to thank you for conjuring that image up in my mind. Because now that I've seen it in my mind, I can't unsee it. But okay, go ahead. Sorry, Nancy. You know, and and the whole thing about he wanted her to be with nature. As an investigator, when I hear someone's dumped in the water, it tells me you're trying to hide evidence. And the thing about the truth. (laughs) Not that you want them to be with nature. You're trying to hide their body for people. And the thing about the truth, it doesn't change, right? So why is this guy's story changing so many times? The truth does not change. At all. It's the same story every time. Phone records, credit card data, GPS info is now being investigated to hopefully get a a little bit of a more detailed picture about what happened to Roberta. Now, the FBI has also been asked to conduct a polygraph on Philip Snyder. Do we have any idea whether he has agreed to do that, Pamela? Yeah, he actually has agreed to do that. Uh, It is unknown at this time if he's actually gone through that process yet, but I do know that he has agreed to do it. Uh, It's also my understanding you mentioned the credit card receipts and that sort of thing. They've talked to the clerk at the Days Inn there in Memphis, and although he does remember Philip checking in, he checked in with his wife's credit card, paid for this room with his wife's credit card, but he does not remember seeing Roberta at all. Um, He does contend that there's a possibility he wouldn't have seen her, but he doesn't recall seeing her in the vehicle that they were driving when they checked in. Wow. What we're saying is that this woman was last seen alive January 1. This is an event that happened somewhere between home and Graceland, that's 700 miles between their home and Graceland, their home in Hartville, Ohio. Hartville police working the case, Memphis police working the case. We are working the case because I've got a very, very strong feeling, Dr. Chloe Carmichael, that Roberta Snyder did not want to be thrown unceremoniously off an overpass on I-90 into the Tennessee River to, quote, be with nature. I would agree, Nancy. It does sound pretty implausible. Um, I'm I'm just trying to understand the, the motivation and the mental clarity of the husband when he did this, because I do think psychologically that's an important distinction. Take a listen to what the Benton County Sheriff has to say. This is Kenny Christopher. Listen. He uh, said to have wrapped her body in plastic and uh, disposed of her body over this bridge here. According to what he's telling authorities there is that she passed away somewhere in Kentucky on the way to Graceland, and uh, he continued on with their journey. We flew up and down the river channel for about 
eight miles uh, north of here where the river's flowing, and we found nothing. For anyone that has information regarding the disappearance of Roberta Snyder, please call Benton County Sheriff's Department, 731-279-4280, 731-279-4280. Nancy Grace, Crime Stories, signing off. Goodbye, friend. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 